Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Genesis chapter 5, starting at verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, He created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and then and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heaven, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word, even when it has things that are hard to understand. We thank you that it is your word for us, and we pray that as we reflect on this together, that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit. 
Not just to answer our questions, but to show us what we need. May this word not be mere information for our heads, but truly transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, today and in days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you go into the United States Capitol, and you go into, I, I believe it's in the main hall of the Capitol, that's called Statuary Hall, and in that hall it is filled with statues. I think each state there gets to have two statues of people that are significant in the history of that particular state. So this hall, you walk in and you see the great figures of American history all around you. On, and as you go through D.C. in general, you'll see lots of places with statues of great men and women of the history of our country. And you look at them and you think, man, these people, they were great. They did great deeds. These were the people who led to the founding of our country, who fought uh, wars to bring, keep, our, keep our freedoms, who fought for justice and righteousness in our country. These were great men and women. But do you know what all those great men and women have in common? They're all dead. They're all dead. That's, where, that's how they get to be statues, is after they die. And we memorialize them in statues. But they're all dead. Because if you wonder, if you listen to this genealogy in Genesis chapter 5 and say, what is the point of this for us? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? What was it saying back, what was he saying back then? What is he saying to us today? What is the, the phrase that stands out over and over again from Genesis chapter 5? And then he died. So when you hear all these things, the, the primary thing that it's saying is that no matter how long man lives, and, and make no mistake, these ages, even for the first readers of this, they would have thought, wow, that is a long time. By the time people were, Genesis was written down and people were reading it, human lifespans were just like ours. 40, 50, 60, maybe 80 years. Moses, who probably wrote Genesis, Moses said he was 80 years old and still strong, and that was unusual. Same for some of the other heroes of, uh, of bringing the Israelites out of, out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. So they hear these, they're like, these men are amazing. They live forever. And then we've got the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown in chapter 6. So we have this great, these great human achievements, long life, power, many descendants, and yet... Every one of them died because death is the constant for man. Why? And uh, in chapter 6, verse 5, all these great accomplishments of man and the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Because that is who we are. Ever since Adam and Eve disobeyed God and uh, that, that death has reigned, over humans. It is the, as we say, it's the joke, right? The only two things that are certain in life are death and taxes. But taxes, not so much an issue back then. But death, death has always been the only certainty for man. And so it leads to the question here, the great human longing has always been, how can we overcome death? How could we live forever? 
And we see that. We see that in our memorials. We see that in our statues. We see that in all the attention to, you know, throughout the history of stories of the, you know, the, the fountain of youth, the elixir of life, the things that could keep you alive. Even in our modern attempts of medicine to preserve life, to make it last longer. And yet, death is still the constant. So what do we see here in this, in all this talk of death? What is our only hope in the face of death? And the message here for us, the hope of Genesis chapter 5, the only thing that really matters is that only God's favor can overcome death. In this whole genealogy, there was one man who did not die, and that was Enoch. All the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. What was the difference? Enoch walked with God. He pleased God. He had faith in God. Does that mean that nobody else had any kind of faith in God? Probably not. Probably many of these men had some belief in God, but there was something different about Enoch. It's not really about Enoch. It's about God showing us what it means, what, what is the only way to overcome death. And then again in chapter 6, verse 8, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The only thing that can overcome death is God's favor. So what does that mean for us? It means the, the message for us from Genesis 5 and 6 here is that we must put our faith in God alone. As we look at all this, this stuff, we see the temptations of other things that we could put faith in. We could put faith in accomplishments, we could put faith in medical advances, we could put faith in human pleasure, we could put faith in human relationships. And Genesis 5 says, because of sin, because humans have become what they are, death is coming for everybody. And the only way out is through faith in God. The only way to be rescued from this death is through faith in God. So three specific things here as we think about what does this mean? Three specific things we see here that we need to have faith in God over. You know, faith in God over long life. Faith in God over long life. Faith in God over human glory. And faith in God over human hope. So our faith in God is better than long life, is better than human glory, is better than human hope. First, first long life, kind of touched on this a little bit already, but we see these are long lives. And long life, yes, is a sign of blessing. It is a blessing from God to live for a long time. But the, the message of Genesis 5, it is, that is not the thing. Not only did Enoch not die, Enoch walked with God, but his life was shorter by far than anybody else's. It says Enoch lived, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Everybody else up in this list is up over... 700, 800, 900, Enoch only had 365 years. But his life was by far the best because he had faith in God. And that's not just me guessing from the text. It tells us that in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, Enoch pleased God. And for without faith, it is impossible to please God. So Enoch demonstrated faith in God. It was better than long life. But this temptation to life and accomplishment is so strong. And we have to be reminded by God, by his word, that that is not the thing. That long life is not the only thing. That is not the ultimate goal. There's a great 
Uh, there's a great passage in The Magician's Nephew, from which I have lost my bookmark. That's not good. All right, ah, I found it. Look at that. There's a great passage in The Magician's Nephew uh, by C.S. Lewis from the Chronicles of Narnia. And in the story, uh, there's a boy from our world named Diggory, and he has gone into the magical land of Narnia, and he gets sent off on this, uh, through a series of events, he has to go and get an apple from an orchard to, to protect the land of Narnia. And he goes on this far journey, and when he gets to the orchard, he runs into the evil queen, the evil witch queen, all these things, and she's already in the orchard, and she tempts him, just like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, and she says, hey, hey, this fruit's good, you should eat some of it for yourself. And he's like, mm, I'm supposed to take it back to the lion, Aslan, the, the Christ figure in the story. She says, but your mother, your mother is at home, and she is sick and dying. This has been one of Diggory's great concerns throughout the whole book. His mother is dying. She says, this apple would give her life. You should take, her, take it back to her. And he's like, the lion, lion told me not to. I'm just going to take it back to the lion. And then he comes back to the lion. They, plants the tr they plant the tree for the protection. And then they have this conversation. Um, and they, ask the, they, they tell her that, hey, the witch, she's already eaten of the apple. And this is what Aslan says. Uh, one of the children says, it won't make her always young and all that, will it? Alas, said Aslan, shaking his head, it will. Things always work according to their nature. She, that's the queen, the evil queen, she has won her heart's desire. She has unwearying strength and endless days like a goddess. But length of days with an evil heart is only length of misery. And already she begins to know it. All get what they want. They do not always like it. I, I nearly ate one myself, Aslan, said Diggory. Would I? You would, child, said Aslan, for the fruit always works. It must. But it does not work happily for any who pluck it at their own will. If any Narnian unbidden had stolen an apple and planted it here to protect Narnia, it would have protected Narnia. But it would have done so by making Narnia into another strong and cruel empire like Charn, not the kindly land I meant it to be. And the witch tempted you to do another thing, my son, did she not? Yes, Aslan. She wanted me to take an apple home to mother. Understand then that it would have healed her, but not to your joy or hers. The day would have come when both you and she would have looked back and said that it would have been better to die in that illness. And Diggory could say nothing, for tears choked him up, and he gave up all hopes of saving his mother's life. But at the same time, he knew that the lion knew what would have happened, and there might be things more terrible even than losing someone you love by death. But now Aslan was speaking again, almost in a whisper. That is what would have happened, child, with a stolen apple. It is not what will happen now. What I give you now will bring joy. It will not in your world give endless life, but it will heal. Go, pluck her an apple from the tree. Long life is not always the thing that we want. Faith in God is far better to do things God's way. So what does it mean then? It means we should consider what we are striving for. You know, we don't, we don't really realistically, very many of us have truly have the choice to extend our life at will. And in general, in this world, the things that we do for the preservation of life are generally good. But there are times when we get towards the end of life that those are questions that we should consider. What are we looking for? What are we giving up? But even for all of us in the present, it's not so much the end of life as we get old, but the issue of safety. Especially throughout the past several years, we've kind of adopted the cultural mantra of safety first. Safety first. 
And there's a sense in which that's, that's often been a good thing. You know, we've, throughout all of COVID time, it was good and right to try to protect people and do what you can. But at what cost? These are questions we should be asking. These are things we have to wrestle with. Safety cannot be our ultimate goal. Sometimes we do things that are not safe to do what is right, to do what is service, to do what is love. And this is one of the things I love, not only about this, this passage in The Magician's Nephew, but the whole of the Chronicles of Narnia, is that it teaches us that there are things that are worse than death, and that there are things that are worth dying for. And so we have to question ourselves, what are we really looking for? Is it really safety at all costs that cannot overcome death? No attempts at safety can ultimately preserve us forever. Only God's favor, only faith in Him, and then seeking to follow Him in obedience. So faith in God over long life. Then faith in God over human glory. Not only is, is long lives and lots of children inherently a, a typical mark of human glory, but look in chapter 6 about the Nephilim and these children of the sons of God and the daughters of man. Said More details on that? Talk to me later. Uh, but, uh, but, but it looks like human glory, right? It looks like human glory. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Whatever the exact nature of these sons of God and daughters of men, it looks like human glory. Great leaders, great warriors, great princes, the people that we make monuments to, the people that we put on our currency, the people who are celebrities. It looks great. But God's judgment is that this is wrong. This is actually not a mark of glory. This is a mark of wickedness. And we see here this, in verse 2, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were attractive and they took as their wives any as they chose. No, bad, full stop. That is not what they were supposed to do. Whoever these people were and sons of God, they should be good people. That's not what they were doing. In fact, that's exactly what Eve had done in the garden. She saw the fruit. She thought it was good, and she took it. And now we have powerful men of some kind seeing women and saying, oh, they look attractive. I'll just take them to be my wife. Not the way God intended it. Not at all. A mark of human glory, things that are exalted in our culture back then, even still today, absolutely. But not in God's estimation. And so this tells us that what we see as human glory actually is often bringing God's judgment. And this is a mark of wickedness increasing on the earth. So instead, we have to walk the path of righteousness. Walk the path of faith in God where we see the things that our world is telling us are valuable. Whether it's you know, relationships that are just for our benefit, um, or whether it's money, whether it's possessions, whether it's a status-oriented job, whether it's a lot of relationships so people can say, oh man, you're such a popular person. That's not what God is calling us to. That's not going to stave off death. Instead, the only thing that counts is faith in God. What does that faith look like? It usually looks quiet. It usually looks like quiet obedience, making small decisions to turn away. Say, I don't need this. I don't need that. I'm going to treat these people right as fellow image bearers of God, as people made in God's image, and I'm going to relate to them like that, not just for what I can get out of them or how well people will think of me because I know this person. 
So we take the simple steps of faith, trusting that God's way really is better. And it must be God's way. For we also see here that faith in God is even over human hope. We see this in, in uh, the end of chapter 5, verse 29. Lamech has his son called his name Noah. Noah sounds like the Hebrew for rest. And he says, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. So we see that in the text here. We're like, all right, Noah's going to be special. And as we read on, we see that Noah is special. Noah found favor in the eyes of God, in the Lord. Noah will go on to build the ark to be the preserver of humanity, to be preserved with him and his children. But it's interesting to think about what is to come in the story of the flood and what follows and look back at what Lamech said. Will Noah really bring them relief from their work and from the painful toil of their hands? No. Did not preserve Lamech. Lamech died a few years before the flood. If you count the, if you count the years there in the genealogy, Lamech died. And so, so Lamech died. And even after the flood, even after God wipes everything away for a fresh start with righteous Noah, the first thing that Noah and his children do is they fall into sin again. And then their children disperse throughout the earth and they commit sin again. Because our human hopes, our human hopes of a fresh start today, I'm going to start over. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to make a list. I'm going to do things right. I'm committed to it. It's not going to work. And so what do we see here? We see that this hope, the hope of Noah, is not enough. And to find the true hope, we have to turn the page on to Hebrews 11. Again, which I referenced earlier, it said, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, speaking of Enoch as one who had faith. But then in that chapter of Hebrews 11, it goes on. It talks about Noah as a righteous man, having faith in God, all these heroes of the Old Testament who have faith. And then it gets to the end and says, basically, where does this faith come from? It says, the only way we get our faith is from Jesus. We must keep our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who gives us faith. Where does God's favor come from? It doesn't come from human hope. It doesn't come from human glory. It doesn't come from long life. It doesn't come from accomplishment. Ultimately, overcoming death can only come through faith in Jesus. And that faith is a gift that Jesus gives to us. And so this morning as we come and we worship and we gather, what is it that we most need? We most need to turn our hearts back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know you are my only hope. You are my only hope for overcoming death, for in your death and resurrection you promised eternal life to all who believe. And so that just as Aslan said about the apple, it will not bring eternal life in this world, but it will in the next. And you will live forever with Jesus. And in this life you will have the joy and the comfort even through the hardship, even through the toil that the ground still has for us. Work is not always easy. But you know that death has been overcome. And through your faith in Jesus, you have strength to go through this life with the right hope, knowing that God's favor is upon you, and you will have life forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you caused this to be written down so long ago and preserved for us. 
We pray now that as we continue to reflect on this word, as we go about our day and our week, that you would continue to teach us what it means to keep our faith on you, to reject the lies that the world tells us, and to keep our hearts focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.